when I was in my 20s, I was accosted by a man in the High Street, Ipswich High Street. It turned out to be a police officer and he wanted to me to take part in an identity parade. All I had to do was go down to the police station uh, and possibly take part in an identity parade. And I was a little bit reticent at first, but then he told me I'd get paid £20 just for turning up. So that persuaded me. So I turned up at the police station and there was the place was full of guys that looked a little bit like me. And I got taken down to the bowels of the police station where all the cells were. And the guy who was the accused, the defendant, came out and with his lawyer chose people to be in his identity parade. People he felt perhaps looked like him. Fortunately, I didn't get picked, so I never actually took part in the parade. But the idea behind an identity, identity parade is that an eyewitness, if they have seen a crime, will recognise the perpetrator, the person who's done something wrong, and will be able to pick them up out of a lineup of people. But evidence has shown us that eyewitnesses aren't very, very reliable when it comes to the court of law, because we have a tendency to only see what we expect or want to see. Now, psychologists call this perception bias. And it's the reason why, you know, people from opposing teams will view a football match very differently in a referee decision. It's also why we see loved ones on the street when there's no way they could be on that street. We see what we expect or what we want to see. The story we're going to look at today, um, it's one of John's signs, is about a blind man. But actually there are more than just one blind man in this story. In fact, there are two other groups of people who are blind, maybe not physically, but they have perception bias. They only see what they expect to see. They only believe what they expect to believe. So if you've got your Bible, you want to turn with me to John chapter 9. And we come to a story where Jesus is walking along, walking through Jerusalem with his disciples. And they come across this guy who has, uh, who's blind. In fact, he's been blind his entire life. He was born blind. And the disciples ask Jesus a question. And the question is this. It's found in verse 1 of chapter 9. Rabbi, or teacher, who sinned? This man or his parents that he was born blind. See, what this betrays to us is that the disciples were operating on a very simple logic. And the simple logic was this. God is just. God always does what, does what is right. Therefore, if you are good, God will reward you. And if you are bad, then God will punish you. So therefore, any disability in their eyes and their beliefs, including this blind guy, must have been caused by wrongdoing or sin, either by the disabled person, the blind man, or by his parents. So they ask that simple question, you know, Jesus, whose fault was it that this man was born blind? So they, so they have perception bias. They already think they know what the answer is. They already have a narrow view and an understanding of, in this case, disability and they just ask for some clarity from Jesus. 
Whose sin was it? Because for them, life needs to fit within a nice, neat little box. And most of us are like that, don't we? We like to have simple, straightforward answers. We like to know that A plus B equals C. We like to know that if we do this, then the consequences are this. And that's really important because it gives us security, gives us a sense of place in the world that we're in. It helps us to make sense of what's going on around us. But then something comes along that goes off script, off piste, that comes up against our ideas and our box of how we understand the world and suddenly things don't seem to fit in anymore. We saw this very much in the war between Russia and the Ukraine. There was no way that Putin was going to attack the Ukraine. It didn't fit with the script. It would have peace for so long. It didn't make any sense. And then it happened. And it took everyone by surprise because it seems Putin thinks outside the box and doesn't seem to have the same box as we do. See, having a box is fine. But the problem comes is when we become so fixated on the box that we become inflexible to any suggestion of anything that doesn't fit inside our understandings and our belief. And Jesus gives an answer to these disciples that really is outside their concepts of what it means to be have a just God and our under, their understanding of disability. Jesus says this to his disciples, says, neither this man or his parents sinned. Your formula doesn't work. It wasn't him. It wasn't his parents. There was, fact, there was no sin involved at all. And in fact, Jesus reveals that there was a purpose behind this man's disability, this man's blindness. And the purpose was this, so that the glory of God could be revealed. And then Jesus goes on to explain that actually Jesus is the light of the world and he's shining in the darkness. The darkness is going to be really dark at the moment. So appreciate the light while it is here. And this very much links back to some of the opening words in John's Gospels. It talks about Jesus, the light of the world coming into the world and the darkness could not overcome it. And Jesus sets out a whole load of signs, a whole load of pinpoints of light going throughout his gospel. Pinpoints of light in the darkness that shows that Jesus truly is sent from God, truly is the Messiah, the the saviour that the Jewish people were waiting for. And you might remember from some of the previous sermons that the point of John's gospel is that people might read these words, hear the evidence, and come to believe that Jesus truly is the Messiah. So this sign that Jesus is about to perform this miracle is another one of those pinpoints of light in a very dark world. So we come to the miracle. Jesus goes up to the man and... uh, does some really weird stuff. Now, in the previous talk, I talked about the simplicity of Jesus's miracles. That Jesus just says, you know, stand up and walk and the man was healed, the cripple was healed. In this case, things get a little bit complicated. And, we're go- and if things are getting complicated, we probably want to have in the back of our minds, why? Why is Jesus doing this? And we'll pick up on our answer to that in a bit. But Jesus uh, pens down, he spits in the mud... He rubs it all together and he places the mud on the man's eyes. 
And then he tells the man to go to the, a nearby pool, the pool of Siloam, and wash the mud off his eyes. Now, what would you have done if you were the blind man? At what point would you said, wait a minute, enough is enough? I think I probably would have said no when I heard Jesus spitting. I think I probably would have thought something was going uh, a little bit awry here. But that's not how the blind man reacted. The blind man allowed Jesus to place the mud on his eyes. And then he got up and walked to the pool. See, at what stage was the man healed? At what stage was the man's sight given to him? See, it wasn't when Jesus spat in the mud. It wasn't when he rubbed it in his eyes. It wasn't before the man went anywhere. The man had to walk by faith to do the ridiculous thing of going, walking around with mud on his face and walk to a pool and wash it off before the miracle happened. See, later on in John's Gospel, John says, Blessed are those who have not seen and yet still believe. He was a man who was blind, but his sight was restored to him because he was willing to take a step of faith to walk to that pool and to wash it off. Even if Jesus didn't fit inside his box and his understanding and his beliefs, maybe after living his whole life blind, he had no hope of ever seeing. Yet he was willing to take a step into the unknown in order for something amazing to happen. And it leaves us with that question, are we willing to trust, to trust in God and to act, even if it seems ridiculous when God asks us to? Because it's only then that I believe that sometimes the miracles can happen. Sometimes the changes that we've been longing for can take place when we're willing to step outside of our comfort zone. Maybe to push ourselves, maybe to take a step into the unknown. So the man went, he washed and he could see. Now this miracle caused quite a stir as you could probably imagine. And um, first of all, the people were like, well, maybe this guy wasn't the guy maybe that's he was someone different or maybe he was never blind in the first place maybe it's just all a big hoax but it caught the attention of the pharisees they brought the blind man to the pharisees and thought well these are intellectual guys they can sort out this problem so they brought the man to the pharisees and they started to investigate a little bit and you see the day that jesus healed this man this blind man was on the sabbath now i've talked a little bit a little bit about this in the past. The Sabbath for the Jewish people was a holy day when all work was completely banned. No one was allowed to do anything. And by this time they had hundreds of rules about what you could and couldn't do on a Sabbath. And one of the things that you couldn't do was any kneading or mixing. For example, mixing spit with mud. So when the Pharisees learned that this miracle was performed on a Sabbath and that Jesus had done it by mixing his saliva with mud and placing it on the man's eyes, then they drew their conclusion straight away. Wait a minute. If Jesus broke the Sabbath, then Jesus can't be from God. And therefore, Jesus must be a sinner. Cannot be from God. It's that logic. 
A plus B equals C fits inside my box. But some people are like, well, that doesn't work, does it? A casino can't perform a miracle like this. So they thought, well, maybe the guy wasn't really blind. So they call the man's parents in. They question them. The parents are really scared and worried about uh, this whole thing. But they just say, look, all we know was he was blind. He's always been blind. This is our son. He was definitely blind when we last saw him. And now he can see. We can't say any more than that. If you want to find out more about what happened, ask him. He's old enough to be able to talk for himself. But I think there's something really key here, and it's picked up in verse 22, as the Pharisees were questioning the parents. It says, His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders, the Pharisees, who already had decided. They had already made up their minds. They had already come to a decision about who Jesus was and who Jesus wasn't. In fact, they had already decided that anyone who even made a mention of Jesus being the Messiah, of being the Saviour, then they were going to be thrown out of the temple and out of the, out of the synagogue. They had already made up their minds. And therefore, they were completely closed to believing anything that didn't fit into their pre-described logic and their man-made box that they wanted to fit God inside. God has to only work this way. And if he doesn't, then it can't be God's. Jesus was not the Messiah. Jesus was not from God. And if he was from anywhere, he was from the devil or he was just a, a hoaxer, a charlatan. Here is a clear case of perceptual bias. They could only believe, they could only see what they wanted to see, what they expected to be there that fitted inside their logic and their understanding. I wonder how many of us, when it comes to Jesus, when it comes to Christianity, when it comes to the church, have perceptual perception bias. Where we can't possibly believe that God would act in a certain way or do a certain thing, but it just doesn't fit with what we understand. Maybe you read the Bible. Sometimes I read the Bible and I struggle with it. I struggle to come to terms with what is said in, in this because it doesn't seem to fit with my understanding of God. The box that I've created for God to fit inside of and maybe you have been put off by Christianity maybe you have rejected Jesus because of something that has been said or something that has been taught or something that has happened that doesn't fit with your understanding of the world around you and the logic you've created for yourself the way you understand everything maybe you have rejected Jesus because it just doesn't you just can't believe that is true and because you can't believe it because you have already decided who Jesus is and who Jesus isn't you have closed off your minds to any other possibility see perhaps you have decided to make things overly complicated perhaps you are demanding from Christianity from the Bible from Jesus evidence that you would not expect from any other area in your life See, most of us are happy to get into a car without understanding how it works. Most of us are happy to eat our meat and try and <laughs> not think about where it's come from. And yet sometimes with faith, 
The barrier is the fact that we haven't got the answers to all the questions, that we feel unable to go further because we don't understand about creation, or we don't understand about suffering, or we don't understand about miracles or prayer. And therefore we hit that barrier and we can go no further. And yet what we see in this man who once was blind, this man who was healed by Jesus, is a real openness to Jesus and a real simplicity of faith. I love what he says in verse 25, when once again the Pharisees are drilling him, they're really trying to get down to the truth, they're really trying to get him to reject Jesus, to say the miracle didn't happen. He says this, he says, whether he was a sinner or not, I don't know. I don't know about Jesus. I don't know about this man. I don't know all the ins and outs. I don't know if he was the Messiah or the Christ or whatever. One thing I do know, just one thing, I was blind, but now I see. That was all this blind man could say. He says, I don't know all of that stuff. I can't answer all the questions that you have for me. But all I know is that I was once blind and now I can see. And maybe that's for the case for many of you here. That you don't know all the answers. You don't know all the theological arguments. You haven't read the Bible from cover to cover. But what you do know is that Jesus has made a difference in your life. What you do know is that Jesus has met you and brought about radical change to who you are and the circumstances you find yourself in. That what you do know is that Jesus has brought light in your darkness. And for those of you who have stuck up barriers between you and Jesus, I will tell you now that there will never be enough answers to your questions. And that God will never fit inside your box of understanding. And actually what Jesus is asking you to do, and what John is asking you to do in his account of Jesus' life in ministry, is just to take that initial first step, a baby step, that says, you know what, I don't understand this. You know what, this Bible, I don't get it. But there's something about Jesus that intrigues me. There's something about Jesus that attracts me. Maybe there's something about church. Maybe something about coming to a service it would just give you a real sense of, of well-being and peace and maybe even joy that you don't understand. Maybe it's a person that you have met who maybe is a follower of Jesus and you see something in them that you find compelling and attractive. And maybe that's enough for you to take that first baby step. I would encourage you to go with the flow, to see where this journey takes you. You can always change your mind later on, but actually, are you doing yourself justice if you're going to hold back and not explore this further because of some issues you have with some particular topic, sexuality, suffering, whatever it may be? Or are you willing to go, you know what? I'm just going to explore this a little bit more. That's what John wants his readers to do. That's what Jesus wants you to do. Because if you're willing to take that step, 
like the blind man did, and do maybe something that's countercultural, something that's a bit ridiculous, then maybe, just maybe, a miracle is around the corner. What do you find difficult to believe about Jesus? What puts you off the Christian faith? Are you guilty of putting God in a box and rejecting anything that contradicts your understanding, belief and logic? Is lack of understanding or unanswered questions stopping you from taking your faith any further? Are you willing to take a baby step into the unknown?